Privacy.com, the company's officers trust with their online privacy. And now, here they are, the Badge Boys. Welcome back to another edition of the Badge Boys, the show where two retired cops talk to the community. I'm retired Crime Stopper Sergeant Darren Birch. I'm retired Phoenix Police Officer Jason Schechterly. And we have another stellar show, albeit sad. We're going to have a Fallen Hero Memorial Special. We're going to have the widow of a fallen DPS trooper. Then we're going to have the DPS trooper who investigated that fatal collision. And then we're going to talk to a retired captain with the DPS talking about Arizona Fallen Hero Memorial Ride, an organization that provides proceeds to these rides to the 100 Club. It's going to be a very special show. I can't wait. Then we're going to segue into Cop Talk, where we're going to get a fired up Jason because we have some really stupid people out in the world right now talking ill before the dust even settled about the shooting, tragic shooting of a 15-year-old girl in Columbus, Ohio. And then in the last segment, we're going to have a, instead of stupid, stupid suspect stories, we're going to have a very funny officer segment. Uh, I'm going to surprise you with that. Jason's always inspirational, heroic headlines, and then, of course, his inspirational clothes. So stay tuned, stay informed. Most of all, you're going to be entertained after this word from our sponsor. More stories, inside guests, and true blue humor coming up on Batch Boys. We'll be back right after this. OfficerPrivacy.com is offering a special deal for listeners of this podcast. This is a great deal. Go to OfficerPrivacy.com forward slash BB. Their team of current and retired law enforcement officers will remove your information from the top three sites that are showing your home address, phone number, and more. Sign up at OfficerPrivacy.com forward slash BB. You can also follow the link on our show notes. Well, my, my, my. We happen to know that guy. Criminals think they are so smart. The problem for them is the police are smarter. Detectives resolve things. They don't give up. I'm not the only one who answered the call. I am retired Sergeant Darren Bird. Detective Chris McMullen. Detective Frank Dillard. Robert Cushing. Vermont State Police. Now, where did he come from? Every detective has that one case. This is that one case for me. He thinks he can outsmart these detectives. Well, he has another thing coming. You're not going to be able to run from it. You want to find that smoking gun. He does what he was made to do. Find the bad guy. That is, as they say in tennis, game, set, and match. American Detective, coming exclusively to Discovery Plus, early 2021. Learn more at discoveryplus.com. You're listening to Badge Boys with retired police sergeant Darren Birch and retired police officer Jason Schechterly. Now, back to the Badge Boys. Welcome back to Badge Boys, everybody. Brought to you by OfficerPrivacy.com. Go to OfficerPrivacy.com backslash BB backslash Badge Boys for your discount. And I think the past seven days has proved again when you have a very famous sports individual i won't call him anything else besides an individual who has 50 million followers doxing a police officer it goes to show you 
how important our privacy is. OfficerPrivacy.com is doing an incredible job. I know Darren and I both feel a lot safer. I know a lot of you listeners have already signed up, but we are going to continue to give a shout out to Pete James and his crew. You guys are awesome. Thank you for everything. Thank you for sponsoring this show. Darren. Yes, sir. You have, as always, I, and I, I humbly admit, I bring on about 1.3% of our guests over the past two years. And, and you, you bring on 99.9% of the listeners. You, you bring up the other 98.7% of our guests. And this week you have outdone yourself. Uh, well, you brought back two return guests that, you know. I, well, yeah, I'll, they are I'll, what they are. Uh, yeah, yeah. My, Mike and Terry, they're going to have to get a little grief for me. But you brought on somebody very special that I She totally exci- makes up for their I, list. I'm excited yeah. to hear her voice. Her story, I can't thank her enough. And you got another woman in the studio today. I I like that. Uh, Yeah. Oh, look at Robin. Look at Robin feeling like she's got an extra, (laughs) extra level of support this week. Do we ever give you a hard time, Robin? Really? Every time. (laughs) Every time. Do we ever make you cry? Uh, Hell yeah. Every time. That's going to happen this week. That's your job, dude. That yeah. In case you guys don't know, the number one goal of the show: make Robin cry. That's the number one goal. Isn't that terrible? We grow up in a world where we tell the boys, don't make the girls cry, and but we, that's his thing to come out in every of our, week. I think this is our 107th show. <laughs> Something We've like that. only no. failed once. I don't only remember, once. I don't even remember that one. I, I don't do call it, it I, a I, failure. I'm still pretty upset about it. Oh, are you then? Um, okay. Anyway, Darren, who <laughs> have you brought on this week? You know, I think it's very timely with what's going on in the media where yeah. anytime there's a police shooting, they immediately think the negative. They, You know, we saw that in Columbus, Ohio, and we'll, we'll definitely talk about that in our cop talk segment but what they don't think about is there are constant shootings there's constant scary aspects of police work to include traffic accidents and horrific horrific as jason well knows and what we have here is to join another widow on our show Uh, robin you are joined with jan blazer upchurch she was the wife, and I say was, uh, the widow of DPS trooper John Blazer. And sadly, oh my gosh, three decades ago, right. uh, she experienced that, that worst phone call, that worst contact from officers that we all know about uh, as officers, that, that this, you know, notification telling someone that loved one, let alone a police officer, let alone a DPS trooper. Uh, we're going to talk to her about John then we're going to talk to the DPS trooper who investigated that horrific fatal collision, who is also friends with John. And then we're going to talk to Mike, who is going to talk to us about the Arizona Fallen Hero Memorial Ride, an organization, nonprofit, that provides 100% of the proceeds to the 100 Club of Arizona. And again, I know we go nationally here, but we're just going to talk about Arizona for a moment for this because every state has that need. And unfortunately, every state has many Jan Blazer Upshirt. So without further ado, Jan, welcome to our show. Thank you. I appreciate the invitation. You know, I'm going to read something because it just doesn't tell enough about Sergeant John M. Blazer. Uh, he was 36 years of age, uh, along with Officer Gabarelli, who I'm, I apologize if I mispronounce that, were investigating a previous fatal crash on US 89 south of, of a road in Tucson when both were struck from behind by a car driven by James Sheets. Sheets was determined to be driving under the influence. Uh, Sergeant Blazer died after being transported to a Tucson area hospital. He was the first DPS line supervisor to die in the line of duty. 
that is the memorial page. And it doesn't tell us enough about who John was. So I'd love for you to kind of tell us who John was. John was um, one of these wonderful people. Excuse me. It's been a while since I talked about really this kind of personal stuff because, um, but John was just, he was funny. He had a dry sense of humor. And, um, And he was just a nice, good person. I mean, he had strong convictions. And he was somebody that you could trust and somebody that felt very, very confident in, in his job. And also he had, um, he had ethics, and he believed in helping people. He had moved to Arizona from New York, and um, he loved Arizona. He just loved the state. And, of course, who wouldn't after being in the snow in, what, of up, upstate New York where he came from? And, and he, he was somebody, when I first met him, I knew he was the one. I mean, it was. I met him virtually on a blind date. A girlfriend that I worked with, her, her boyfriend was a trooper in Wikiup, Arizona, and John had just gotten out of the academy a couple of years before. And they always sent the troopers uh, out of the academy, especially the single guys, to Wikiup, which. There was um, big like, metropolis. Yeah, there was like <laughs> yeah, two gas stations and blink and you miss it. And and it was like they had five state trailers that that they lived in. And, and you're saying trailers? We're talking these mobile yeah, homes we're talking with a 1950 a single wide trailer is where John was living and uh, the other officer was living in in another another one. And then if you were the married officer, you got the house. <laughs> So, so this is how, you know, this is the world that I kind of walked into. And it's like a minute I met him, you know, and then our relationship began and we began dating. And I guess because I lived in Phoenix, he lived in, in Wikiup. So there was a lot of traffic uh, uh, driving back and forth for sure for a number of years. But um, he just uh, he he was just a wonderful person. And um, he he wasn't always. Uh, he, he wasn't one of these people that laughed a lot or whatever, but he loved to play jokes on people. And so there's lots of interesting stories about some of that stuff that was done on duty and off duty. Cops play practical jokes on each other? I, that's what I've heard. <laughs> Never. <laughs> no. So a lot of funny stories about that. But, I, you know, he was a, a great guy, and, and I loved him dearly. And um, we were together four years, and then he finally popped the question. And so we got married in 1987. So really, the anniversary of the day we first met, um, July 3rd, 1987, is when we got married. And, um, you know, he was my whole world. So we were together seven years. And, you know, we went from me meeting him in Wikiup, then he got moved up to Kingman, and then we went to Winslow not necessarily garden spots of Arizona no, for sure. No. And so you in so my world was different because I thought okay well this is my world now because this is his job and it's it's the most important. So then I go out looking for a job in Winslow. Well, I had kind of a tough time because, you know, number one I was married to a DPS and, and they didn't necessarily like cops that well in Winslow because there's a lot of crime and stuff. There's that a was prison, a lot of prison and families. And prison families and all that. Sure. And then I ended up getting a job at the prison as the secretary to the warden. So 
you know, then when you, your dynamic changes again, because you're having people now watching your house, and it's, it was a little scary, and so John says, okay, now you are going to learn how to really use a gun, because we don't know what this is all about, and so then we ended up getting two chow-chow dogs, so that we had lots of protection when he was gone, because John would get called out all the time on I-40, because there was always shootings, and People were transporting, would kidnap people, and they transport. I mean, there was always something going on on I-40, and um, and people would jump out and kill themselves and stuff in front of trucks. I mean, just the most horrific kind of stuff that these guys and gals would have to face. And um, I just loved many things that, that we did do, like on, on DUI checkpoints, um, when most people, a couple of the wives and I would get together, and we would go out and, you know, we make sandwiches and stuff like that and take it out to these guys when they're out there on I-40 doing some of these DUI task force things in the middle of the winter um, in Winslow. And little did I know that became much more part of my world um, after John was killed. Before, but, before we talk about that, that notification and that saddest day of your life, um, you talked a little bit about the double wide trailer or the <laughs> and him maybe even wanting to get married so he could go into a house but in all kidding aside that sacrifice that this trooper took um knowing he's not going to be you know in phoenix he's not going to be working la in these garden spots he's working these dust bowls basically um that sacrifice can you talk about him and what what made him as jason always asks sign on the dotted line what made him raise his hand and want to be a protector of the community. He really just wanted to help people. I mean, that was really his main motivation is that there's a lot of people out there that need help and there's a lot of criminals that need to be put into jail. But, uh, but that was really a huge part of who John was about. And most people, because he wasn't like one of these warm, cuddly kind of people, except to me, of course. Oh. But but to most people, he was very stoic and in many ways. Um, but you know, he loved me. I loved him. It was, it was our world, but he really, it, so many times he would get called out a lot, especially when we were in Wikia, because that's before the, the road was widened. So it was a lot of blind curves and, and people would pass on these, um, probably you know, the deadliest road in the state of Arizona yes. at the time, at one back time, in, back yeah. in the it, late eighties. It and and now it it's a lot safer. It's, it's a hundred yards apart. It's two, three lanes. But to take people back in time, because I, I used to do that drive to Vegas all the time. Yeah. It, it, it was There are white crosses. People trying to pass. Dotted. Everywhere. Yeah. Everywhere. Yeah. And Wikiup, I mean, I'm not make, I love Wikiup. I always stop there for food and gas when I'm on my way to Vegas. So I'm not insulting or making fun of them. But it is, when I say tiny, <laughs> it, it takes less than two minutes to get through the town of Wikia that you're talking about, and it's a deadly stretch of road. Yeah, yeah, it, and it, it it was. So he would get called out often. People would find people crashed. They'd either fall asleep or they were drunk or whatever. They'd be in the ditch, and and it would take. That was before they even had air rescue. So you would take three, four hours to get e- even the ambulance to come and get people. So they, you know, John would be out there for hours and hours and hours. And, you know, he would run across people that were stranded on the road because I just remember this one particular story, this family, and they were very poor and they were heading to Las Vegas, I guess, and they didn't have any money and they ran out of gas and they're stuck in the middle of nowhere. I mean, literally. And he, 
goes and finds them and and he says these little kids and they didn't have anything to eat and you know they needed gas and so he he helped them he had some a tow truck come and get them and then he paid for the tow truck and then he gave them money so that they could you know get gas and feed the kids and he used to do that all the time uh he'd come back and say well I don't have any money because they needed it worse than I did, and I can get some more. And, and it was so many of those kinds of stories that, that he used to tell me, and uh, it, was, it was just incredible. And, and some of the people that he would run across, um, you know, that people were, that were drunk and, you know, that were in just in bad shape, and, and they fortunately didn't uh, kill anybody, but you know, they, they needed help too. And so he would, you know, do what he could to help them. Um, but, you know, he always treated people with kindness unless, unless it, it was, the situation didn't warrant that. But he was that kind of a person. Tell us about that. I'm, I'm assuming somebody came to your door. Yes. Um, it was a Friday night, August 31st, 1990. Um, John was supposed to have the day off next, the next day, and so he worked the 3 to 11 shift. So I was waiting. I would gotten home from work and just was waiting for him to come, and it was about 9.30 that night. And, um, and the doorbell rang, and I'm on the phone with a friend from Phoenix. And um, so I said, well, somebody's at the door, which is unusual because we didn't have you know, a lot of visitors and stuff. But um, so... Um, I open the door and I see two officers, Sergeant um, Frank Caligari and um, Officer Jim Oyen. And Jim had worked with John in his squad, and Frank was a coworker. And they come through the door, and I'm like, "Well, what's going on?" And of course, you see Jim crying. You see Frank saying, "I wish I was someplace else." And they said, John is gone. And I said, yes, I know he's gone. He's supposed to be home at 11. And, you know, I, you know, you know the crying. You know that something bad has happened. And so, um, and then Jim's wife was with him, and they were both just as distraught probably as I was. And having to give that you know, that notification to me must have been just horrible for it's them. the worst thing in the world Bless i just i just can't even, you know it took me a while before i kind of like thought about their perspective from it. but um thank goodness jim's wife was there because she caught me as i fell down on the floor because they were just trying to get through this as best as they could and um and at that moment you know my world changed forever and I just didn't know how it was going to live. You were only married three years. Yeah, we had just celebrated our third wedding anniversary the month before. Wow. Um, so it just, the, even though we'd been together seven years, it just says this, was, this wasn't supposed to happen. How did this happen? Why did this happen? And it took me a while before I could really even ask those questions in my mind. And I know this was 30 years ago, and so I don't know the, the answer to this. Did somebody come forward? Was there a 100 Club of Arizona? Was there somebody that helped you through this in any way, held your hand? Well, there was two organizations. Um, at that time, there was a 100 Club of Southern Arizona, and it was a group of uh, businessmen who provided money. 
and they did. I got um, a check, I think, for like $7,000. And I never even knew people did something like that. It was like amazing. And, um, and But the other person that really was helpful was um, a friend of mine, Kathy Cash. And her husband had been was a DEA agent, and he had been killed in a traffic um, crash uh, three years before. And she was on the National Board of Concerns of Police Survivors, COPS. And... So she came to my house, and I remember her coming to my house, and I don't know, it was probably in a few days. I, I didn't really remember. Time was kind of all weirded out at yeah, that like point. Yeah, like a fog. Yeah, and she came, and I remember her saying, I'm a survivor, and, you know, if you know I can help or, you know, I can be here or whatever. And, and I remembered her face, and then she showed up about two weeks later, and she says, I was at your house, and, and then I'm like, okay, now I get it. <laughs> yeah. Now I understand. And she became a huge Aww. benefit to me to have somebody that had walked this similar path um, that, um, that I was now walking, and how am I going to put my foot in front of the other, and why do I need to get out of bed? Because we didn't have children. I had my two, we had our two dogs and, you know, they were, they were my lifeline for sure. But, um, it was, you know, and people say the darndest things, you know, like, oh, you know, you're young, you can get married again. And it doesn't, I'm, it doesn't people, work that way. It's like people say no. the weirdest things and you're just like looking at them like, okay, yeah, <laughs> this is not a good time to say. Right, right. Like just say, I'm so sorry. Yeah. That's yeah. the yeah. best people thing you can never, say. People rarely understand that sometimes silence is, best. is the greatest thing yes. you can do. Because when you're in those awkward situations, yeah, and I'm talking about when you're not the one going through it. You're right. the one who's feeling empathy or the overwhelming emotion of like, how do I help? Yeah. It ends up coming out in those awkward situations when sometimes you just need to sit there and be quiet. Yeah. And I've trained uh, over the years. I've said, okay, if you don't know what to say, just hug somebody, <laughs> or just Seriously. put your hand on their hand or yes. something. But don't say things like those things because those are they don't help and they just cause more. Drama, well, that's drama. the last thing you were thinking about is oh yeah, yeah well, okay, who's my next husband going to be? <laughs> <laughs> thank you for that. Yeah, that's, thanks. Yeah, that's oh, not I, good. I, I, I was so worried. <laughs> yes. Oh, thank you so much. And the proof is right here. What everybody needs to pay attention to, all of our listeners, because this really affects me. We are talking about an incident that happened 31 years, almost 31 years ago. And do you hear the emotion in her voice? It doesn't this, leave you. Does, no. you. You can move on. You can go forward. Life does go on. All those cliches that are, are true yet. It's a wound that yet never are, heals. Yet are extremely no. annoying. Listen to the emotion in her voice. It does not heal or go away completely. And... People need to recognize that when they are in the early stages of that because there are listeners who are going to face these situations tomorrow, next week, next month. Let's learn from that. And I want to talk a little bit about the ripple effect. I mean, you can hear in Jason's voice, you know, this affects him. Yeah. And the reason I bring up Jason is because Jason has absolutely had to investigate deaths, murders mm -hmm. of police officers mm -hmm. and how horrible. I can't, I have never done that. I've assisted, but I've never been that case agent. And online with us is Terry Johnson. He is a retired DPS trooper detective. You were friends with John and you had to investigate this collision. 
You know, actually, I I knew John by sight. Uh, I was uh, I had worked quite a bit with David Gabrielli uh, before the uh, before he was killed. Um, David was actually a paramedic, and me being stationed in a remote duty station, he would come out on the helicopter and help me in a medical uh, emergency, a collision or something like that. Uh, and to kind of give you a, an idea of what was going on prior to that collision that took the life of John and Gabe, um, I had spent basically the longest week of my my career uh, prior to that collision. I had already had like 20 hours of overtime that week. Had just finished my uh, my birthday dinner, which was the day before, when I got a call uh, telling me that uh, two of our, at the time they were called officers, two of the officers had been uh, involved in a collision. One was deceased at the scene, and the other one had been transport, transported to the hospital. This was the second critical incident of my young career at the time. And uh, when I received the call, they said, guess what? Your lead and the supervisor who handles the team that did the investigations in Southern Arizona is not available. So now you're the acting supervisor, not only of the scene and having to hand out all the, um, the assignments, but you're the lead. I'm going, oh, man, okay. So they gave me the location, and I arrived at the location, and uh, Gabe's body was still there. John had been transported to the hospital. And it was just, when I, when I recognized uh, Gabe, it was like, oh, my gosh, how could this happen? And, and it, it was just, uh, I, I went into like an automatic mode. I knew what I had to do, and I just started doing it. Um, it was it was an eye opening for my you know for my first where I was actually the lead on it. I kind of talk about that as being cop mode. You go in cop mode. You just kind of you almost don't have a, a personality. You're almost like a robot. You have to kind of desensitize your your human side. Uh, on top of all this there was a suspect involved. This was not an accident. This was a drunk driver. Am I right? Correct. Can you talk That's about correct. that aspect, the the need to give John and Gabe justice? Yeah. To kind of give you an idea about what the scene looked like, um, it, it was on uh, what we refer to as Old Nogales Highway, which was at the time US 89. In that area, there was a raised median, and in that uh, in the, about the middle of that median, there was a a gap where a, a railroad spur came off the main railroad line to a business. John and Gabe were standing at the furthest south end of that that raised concrete median, and there was another officer standing at the north end because they had been investigating a fatal, a prior fatal collision. John and Gabe had their back turned to traffic. Um, the drunk driver left a bar that was near the area, drove right down the center of the painted median, 
hit the the raised median where John and uh, Gabe were standing, hit Gabe first and then John, continued on that median and almost struck the third officer. Um, if it wouldn't have been for the his fast actions, he would have been the third victim that night. And it was um, it was a rainy night, warm night, a warm summer night, and it was just one of those where you you knew you had to do your best job and make sure that this guy went to prison for what he had just done, killing two police officers and almost killing a third. Um, I was assigned to do the administrative aspect of it, but we supported the the criminal end first. And uh, that guy, he was a he was an alcoholic, and he had just drank way to excess that particular night. And he was found guilty, and he did go to prison. Am I right? He, yes, he was found guilty on two charges of manslaughter. Is he and, still uh, there? No, he died in prison from cancer. Well, that's a goddamn shame. Yeah. A little bit of karma. You know, and I'm listening to your voice, Terry, and I can hear the pain. Again, 30 years later, clearly listen to Jan. You can not just hear it. It it was self-evident, bless her heart. And when you have something like this, you need an organization like the 100 Club. You know, like Jan talked about, holding your hands, like... Jason represents the 100 Club. We now have Mike on the show. And Mike Denny was a, uh, a captain with the DPS. He retired. And he and you helped form Arizona Fallen Hero Memorial Riders.org. And this is a wonderful organization that gives 100% to the 100 Club. Can you talk about, and I'm talking to Mike now, can you talk about why it was formed? And I'm kind of, you know, it's obvious based on what we just heard for the last uh, 30 minutes. Well, yeah, and that, I think what Jan went through and what Terry saw and what all of us have gone through, I mean, you, you guys have been through it too, losing friends and, and colleagues. Um, sometimes we're the only ones that remember that, unless it's Police Memorial Day and then everybody remembers it. But these guys need to be remembered, these ladies need to be remembered every single day of our lives. Um, and and they, need to, they need to be remembered by not just us, but the world that they served. So uh, following... Um, uh, the killing of the, the young officer, um, what was his name, Tyler uh, Edenhofer? Yes. I caught a hold of Terry and I said, you know, I just feel like we need to do something. And Terry and I are both motor, motorcycle enthusiasts. And we said, let's, let's get a bunch of guys together and go for a ride, which is always a good thing for guys on a motorcycle. Oh, sure. <laughs> and so we said, let's just visit all of the monuments. And, and we had at that time, I think, 30. And then we sat down and looked at where they were, and, and you know, Arizona's a big state. I said, it takes a little while <laughs> yeah. when you look at yeah. the for DPS. Yeah, I can, you know, spare that's an hour gonna, takeoff. That's good. <laughs> yeah. You've got Flagstaff to Yuma, yep. Yep. Gila Bend. You've got everywhere, right. every corner of the state covered in DPS. And literally, we have officers who have been killed from Page to Nogales yeah. and from Kingman to the New Mexico state line. <laughs> so Terry and I kind of stepped back and went, well, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> we might want to do this, but it's going to be more than a one-day ride. On, and you guys know Terry, both of you, and Janice as well. well. You don't just ask Terry about something like that and make a suggestion before 
the whistles and bells go up. We, we used to call guys like Terry cre- creative crazies. We'd lock them in a closet and only pull them out when we needed to know something. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, I but agree. God love him. I, th- I, I think agree. the world of the boy, we've been friends a long time. But from that, Terry said, hey, how about this? And so we started putting together the idea of let's don't just honor these people. Uh, at that time, it was the DPS officers. But what can we do to, to help their families? What can we do to help other families? And so from that, the Arizona Fallen Heroes Memorial Riders was born. Um, and we do three rides annually, uh, north, south, and central. Uh, we invite riders of all types to come and ride with us. You don't even have to own a motorcycle. You don't even have to know anybody who owns a motorcycle. You can, you can drive in your car. Uh, and we take all the registration fees, uh, all of the amounts that we collect through donations, raffles, with the exception, obviously, of what we have to set aside to pay for, like, posters and things like that. But there's no administrative cost per se. It all goes to the 100 Club. Um, and, you know, last year was kind of unique because, because of COVID. Uh, Angela told us that the 100 Club had been unable to have a fundraiser. And so last year, everything we raised for them was basically, other than donations, all they got. Um, and so over the last two years, 19 and 20, we've raised, uh, and Terry's probably got it down to the penny, uh, but right at about $150,000. Uh, the first year was to COPS, second year went to the 100 Club. And, and of course, we're looking to try to beat that this year. But that's what it's really all about. It's about remembering who these people were, remembering what they did. And as you mentioned, and I know you're going to cover it in one of your segments, is what about the people that are still out there? Um, they are right now in the worst possible place that any of us could have ever been. We never faced that kind of stuff. No, unprecedented. You know? It's not just the people who are still out there. It's when we're talking about what we were talking about right now, it's who's next. Right. Because yeah. it's, it's coming. Exactly. Uh, you know, next year is fall. It, it, it is coming, whether it be a car accident, whether it be a shooting, whether it be a heart attack on duty. It's, it is coming for somebody, and they're out there right now having no idea right. that, it's, that it's them or their, their families. So. There's no better time. Nope. And, yeah, and, and I mean, that, that's the reality of it is, is that, you know, when, you were, when we were cops, you know, of course, I started, and some people say rode a horse, but that wasn't true. We did have small you, vehicles. Really? Uh, yeah. they, they Shut be, up, Jason. They had vehicles? They, no, Model T was around. Model T. Model T. You, you I, could I crank know. that thing and it would fire right <laughs> up. But, but, you know, the reality was when we were police officers, you know, what we worried about was, you know, getting home at the end of our shifts. There's a whole new set of woes that officers today have to face. Yeah, there is. Um, you know, everything's instantaneous. Everything you do, everything you say, somebody's videotaping it. And, and officers today are leaving the profession in droves. Oh, yeah. Because they're not feeling support. And, and they don't feel that, you know, people appreciate what they do. And they don't. That's Exactly. They and, don't. and that's one of the reasons we're here is I tell everybody there is nothing more heartening than standing out there and watching 200 motorcyclists ride by uh, and, and basically saluting officers. We care. And, and saying, hey, we care. And, and a lion's share of them are not police officers. They're citizens well, saying I, that. And I, I want to give, give a little shout-out to something that I've, I still teach at our academy. And our academy is, encompasses a lot of different agencies. But you, you can have a Phoenix class. You can have an all-DPS class. And I tell these recruits – and this is something I believe in so strongly. Your organization did not just invent itself. You weren't the ones to start it. You are carrying on a legacy, and you need to go back 
and I'll speak to like the DPS recruits right now. If you're applying, if you're in the process, if you're in the academy, if you're a brand new DPS officer, you better damn near, damn well know who Sergeant Blazer is. You should know every detail of that investigation. I can tell you, and as I've gotten older, to reflect on this is very powerful because I can tell you for Terry, this is a great example. We're 31 years into this, right? You're still, Jan, very emotional. Obviously, you're Sergeant Blazer's widow. I met Terry in 2004 in Las Vegas. Brand new homicide detective. I was. I'm excited. I'm going to a homicide conference. I'm going to Vegas. And when I got there, it was the first time I ever met Terry. I had no idea what his background was. I had no idea what he had been through, what had affected him. And Terry did not treat me as a burn survivor, as a line of duty survivor who got lucky that I did survive my crash. Terry got me right away the beginning of that conference and said, this is a serious job. Here's why. And you better pay attention to all of the training that you're going to go through this week. And that made a huge impact on me in 2004. And I did become the type of investigator that I was very proud to be because of people like Terry. It does affect you and you've got sure. to pay attention you do. to what you're doing. And, and one of the things that we also noticed as we began this, uh, and this has kind of been our vision, I think, since we started, was there's a whole lot of first responders out there. And these people pay a, a terrible price, whether they're firefighters, mm -hmm. paramedics, police officers, DPS officers, tow truck operators, guys that work for the road crews. I mean, these people are all out there providing protective services of one form or another to the public, knowing full well that at any moment that, that could end. Um, so now we've kind of evolved. We, we've, we've now moved into that world where we're saying we're going to do it for all first responders. And, and, I'll, and I'll throw this out, and Terry, if, if I'm going to talk about Yarnell. If you've got it, can I do that? Is that okay, Yeah, Terry? absolutely. Okay. Yeah. This year we uh, really are putting a lot of emphasis on the fire service because we have one of our board members who's a fire, a fire uh, fireman. This year, the group that is the support group, the survivors of the Granite Mountain Hotshots have signed on, and they'll be riding with us in at least two and perhaps three of the rides. And that's huge. There's, yeah. nobody, wow. <laughs> there's nobody in the world that can imagine what those guys went through, those families went through, that, that just, that huge hole that was burned right out of their lives in that fire and so you know we're, we're starting to see it but for us the big thing is we want people to get out and and enjoy the ride but we also want to remember why and when you talk about people getting out to join that ride tell us how we can get more information and tell us sure. a little bit about the details please well you can go to uh, azfhmr.org that's our website that will take you through everything in terms of registration uh, then it'll lead you into other terry's got everything on these qr codes in the old world, we'd call you a nerd, Terry. I'm with you, Mike. I still don't use QR, yeah. QR codes. Yeah, what is that? So what's that funny? That looks like a fingerprint smudged on there. Um, but, but we've got everything in, in QR codes. But you can go there. You can learn about the ride. You can learn about the cost. Leads you into things like uh, raffle items. Like this year, it was the second year we're going to raffle off a brand new Harley Davidson motorcycle. Woo. Yeah, yeah. That, that's, that gets 400 tickets, $100 a ticket. When they're gone, they're gone. So... Uh, I just told my wife doesn't do what she did last year. She bought like a thousand dollars worth of tickets and then didn't win. And it was <laughs> very. Saying, did you get the bike? No. No. Of course not. No. And it's an over three month period, one per month. So it's 
you know, spread out nicely, yeah. yep. beautiful r- rides, yep. and, and, and it yeah, culminates that, with a barbecue. Oh, it culminates with barbecues at every one. Oh. Uh, in fact, uh, we've just got a new caterer on board that's going to take care and do all three of the barbecues. Uh, the big, the big show will be—I mean, the d- big raffles and drawings and everything—will be here in Phoenix at the at uh, Desert Wind Harley Davidson, which is kind of. Is that who's donating the bike? I can't answer that on TV. <laughs> You're but not on TV. Okay, I can't answer it on the radio. Okay. <laughs> September. <laughs> let me put it. A Harley dealership will be donating that motorcycle. There you go. September, October, and November. Now, September up north, uh, Flagstaff Prescott. October in Tucson. And then the final ride is November here in Phoenix. Um, and, and we have a great time. It's great. Uh, I have yet to have anybody complain about the fact that they thought the ride wasn't worth it. And let me, this is this absolutely shameless pitch. Good. Where can you go and spend $45 and get three rides, three barbecues, a t-shirt, and a goodie bag? Only the Arizona nowhere. Fallen Heroes only Memorial you. Riders, baby. Thank That's you. the only place. And you know what? I don't have a motorcycle, but I have a convertible, which works even better during that time of the Jump year. Jump in, lady. Yeah, that's kind of cool. <laughs> yeah, we had guys last year in antique trucks following us around. Sweet. Um, you know, with, with tools and stuff. Anybody that wants to can get involved. You don't have to be a motorcyclist. And this know? has grown each year oh. exponentially, really. Uh, I can see it being a starter to a nationwide effort. Because really, every there should be a, something like this with every state and and be nice and again now right now i know for a fact terry's listening and he's writing feverishly oh, he, 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 <laughs> let, let me closet, let me explain to you in his closet no no the, the, terry terry and i thought of this long ago and he's he's already got the plans working out i you know terry does this great thing like hey terry i think we ought to paint the wall and he goes yeah and it ought to be blue with pink pin stripes and we ought to, he's the detail guy i mean the guy is he's just he's amazing and this is something we actually would like to see i mean wouldn't it be great if one day or three days every year, everybody got on their motorcycles across the country, across the country, oh, my goodness. and and rode for the remembrance of those guys that have fallen, that, that would it. be just amazing, and and that's where we want to go. So you, you guys will get there. You have people who get on bicycles and ride all the way to Washington D.C. every year for the uh, memorial where names get put on the wall. I'm I'm sure you, Jan, you went when uh, Sergeant Blazer got his name yes. on the wall. You will get there. Just you get you keep building it. The momentum and, and the and the followers will come. And when you talk about all this momentum, is because of great organizations. Could you do a, a shout out some of these sponsors oh, yeah. that helped well, you? The, I mean, some of the guys have been with us all along. Um, you know, Safeway and Albertsons. Uh, they've been with us every year. Um, Desert uh, Desert Wind Harley Davidson, Tucson Harley Davidson, uh, Buddy Stubbs Harley Davidson. Um, we have a, a number of other places that are private, like uh, firearms dealers and people like that who have given us gift certificates. Or, I mean, it just goes on and on. We have people that have given us trips. I mean, we have one family that's going to Hawaii uh, for a, a wow. week wow. Uh, off of one of these trips. So, and, and here's my next shameless pitch. Please. There is nothing too small for us to take. Yeah. Was that you, Jason? Is that a motorcycle? Okay. That's a motorcycle. Uh, <laughs> he yeah. instantly heard a motorcycle. They're ready to join in. Yeah, yeah they are. Pull up out front. I'll give you a ticket. Um, but we, we don't care what it is. We, we love to have donations. We love to have things for drawings. Uh, we don't care. I mean, we, we got places that are giving us, we got, for example, Scottsdale Gun Club, C2 Tactical. They're giving us stuff. Gunsight. Gunsight every year has given us something. And Gunsight is like the premier handgun training place in the country. I mean, it's, it's world-renowned. Um, 
And so it, it just keeps rolling in. And every year we get a few more people, but we can always use more. So always use whether more. you're a one, someone out there listening, you want to be part of this ride, whether you want to help out as sponsor or maybe even volunteer. Absolutely. Absolutely. They will go to what the uh, website one more time. AZFHMR.org. And for those who are stupid like me, just remember Arizona Fallen Hero Memorial Ride and just go real slow with the, uh, you know, the acronym. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Outstanding. Jan, thank you. Thank you. And, and so we, we appreciate much. this organization as a survivor to re- constantly remembering our loved ones and uh, because we always remember them. They're always in our heart. Well, uh, yes, and we, uh, there are a lot of us who never, ever forget and understand the history and the legacy that's important. And people like you, it is, I've always said this, and I believe this in my heart, it is so much harder on the families and the loved ones than it is on the actual, I mean, us as cops, we're, you know what, we're fine either way. We really are. Uh, Good, bad, or indifferent. It's the families that suffer. And the fact that you, 31 years later, will come into our studio and talk so openly and emotionally about john is just uh is awesome and uh mike thank you terry you know i love you buddy uh keep the watch down and nothing to do son i probably won't be down there anytime <laughs> soon um, but uh you know Whoa. i love you and uh if you want to have lunch you're gonna have to come up here and visit me i love you too jason and i i will make it a date to get up there and see you uh, all right we, it's been uh, a long time it has been way way too long and jason's uh, buying uh well yeah, of course no no <laughs> I'm, I'm, not gonna, I'm not gonna make you drive up here and, remember, then, a, and then charge yeah. him remember i'm a lawyer unless, so we, the terms unless of we invite you which hasn't been decided yet then you'll have to pay but we're, we're, me and Terry will work that detail out. Yeah, that's what I'm afraid, uh, I'm afraid of. <laughs> anyway, uh, this, was, this was incredible. I hope uh, everybody takes the time. Go back and read the stories. Read the details of this incident. And please go to azfhmr.org and anything you can do. Yep. Volunteer. Anything you can donate. It's going to mean something to somebody. Do not think that your voice, your thoughts, your love, your prayers don't matter. They do. We'll be right back with Cop Talk. More stories, inside guests, and true blue humor coming up on Batch Boys. We'll be back right after this. I'm Pete James, a retired law enforcement officer who has a passion for the safety and security of those in the profession. OfficerPrivacy.com offers a full range of privacy services that removes your personal information from the internet so you and your family can feel safe and secure in your home. OfficerPrivacy.com will keep you safe. You're listening to Badge Boys with retired police sergeant Darren Birch and retired police officer Jason Schechterly. Now, back to the Badge Boys. Welcome back. Uh, Again, a riveting uh, episode, uh, truly a memorial to... uh, John Blazer, uh, DPS trooper, killed in the line of duty, a sergeant, highest ranking at that time. Uh, we're going to segue into the ugliness that continues to uh, sadly prevail uh, regarding really stupid media. But we're going to start off with a clip that's almost 100% accurate. Last night, in the moments right before the judge in Minneapolis delivered Jer- Derek Chauvin's guilty verdict, police say an officer in Columbus, Ohio, shot and killed a 16-year-old girl who was armed with a knife and about to attack another girl. Her name is Micaiah Bryant. Authorities released the body cam footage the same day as the shooting. 
The officer was responding to a chaotic 911 call about a girl who was trying to stab someone. In the video, you see Micaiah holding a knife, fighting with another girl. Then Micaiah appears to lunge with the knife in hand. And that's when the officer intervenes and shoots. We're about to show the video, but a warning, like so many lately, it's difficult to watch. Hey! What's going on? Hey, what's going on? Hey, 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 get down, get down, get down, get down. Watching it again, you can see Micaiah's hand at the very top of your screen. There. He goes on, and the reason I say he almost got it all right, because uh, about to attack, he made a front reference, about to attack. No, <laughs> she was attacking another juvenile, and that officer reacted so skillfully so i'm truly proud of him i don't want to see anyone die obviously but it happens based on their actions and sadly and i'll call, i have no problem calling a victim she, she died but she was also a suspect she was attacking this other girl and that officer saved that other girl he is a hero and unfortunately um again because the media wants to stir uh one time jason you brought up a uh, inspirational clothes where you talked about the red fire ants. You put them in a, in a jar, they're fine, but somebody shakes them up and they're going to attack each other. The media is that hand shaking that jar. And we see it again. We keep hearing these ugly things. And now the second clip, instead of following that lead and just staying with the facts, is there any bigger pulpit than the White House? Hi, Ben. Taylor Poplars with Spectrum News. Three Hi, quick questions. I'll make them quick. Um, first, has the president been briefed on 16-year-old Micaiah Bryant being shot and killed by police in Columbus, Ohio yesterday? It happened moments before the Chauvin verdict came out. Yes. Um, I said to you yes, and let me let me just say, since you gave me the opportunity, uh, the killing of 16-year-old Michaela Bryant by the Columbus police is tragic. She was a child. We're thinking of her friends and family and the communities that are hurting and grieving her loss. We know that police violence disproportionately impacts uh, black and Latino people in communities and that black women and girls, like black men and boys, experience higher rates of police violence. We also know that there are particular vulnerabilities that children in foster care, care like Micaiah, face. And her death came, as you noted, just as America was hopeful of a step forward after the traumatic and exhausting trial of Derek Chauvin and the verdict that was reached. So our focus is on um, working to address systemic racism and implicit, implicit bias head on, and of course to passing laws and legislation that will put much needed reforms into place at police departments around the country. And has the president been briefed on it? Yes. Okay. Yeah, that was the White House press secretary. Uh, again, she completely completely added something as facts that were not facts she said we know the police violence impacts police violence calling this police violence opposed to police interaction uh confronting a uh, armed suspect with a knife that could very well have killed that girl uh, talking about hopefully moving forward from the chauvin trial hopefully moving forward this is an example of not moving forward from that and then she talks about systemic racism and explicit biases if these are facts. And then she talks about passing laws needed to reform police. Again, this is at the highest level. And, of course, everyone follows suit to include LeBron James. Um, and we're going to be talking about LeBron James here in the next segment. But, Jason, your thoughts, my friend? You know, I'd have to start off 
with the obvious fact that uh, if you go back and look at Jen Saki all the way back to when she was the spokesperson for DNSA, if you pay attention to details and words and facts, which is actually what's supposed to matter, she doesn't even know Makai Bryant's name. She called her Makai La. There's no L in her freaking name. So if you can't at least get the name right, then you can't talk about what happened on the scene because it proves that she knew nothing about it. I disagree with the, uh, I think that was Shepard Smith. It was. When he says this video is hard to watch. No, the Derek Chauvin video is incredibly hard to watch. And I have, we have probably, we could go back 15, 17 episodes and I have made it very clear what I think of Derek Chauvin. I would be the judge, jury, and executioner of that there's so-called nothing. police officer. There's nothing between these two videos. There is nothing wrong with watching the video. And what that officer did in those split seconds, just to put out a blanket statement, until you put on a uniform, until you are trained, until you do the job and have to respond to scenes like this, you don't know what you would do, and you need to not comment on that until the facts come out. That's the first thing. The other day, actually it was just yesterday, Darren, get this. A school counselor in the beautiful, kind state of Iowa, here's what she said. I would like for the girl in the pink jumpsuit who was the actual victim in this case. I would like for her to speak out about how this officer saved her life, which is the evidence you see on the video. Her life was saved. Her life was spared because she was being attacked by a knife. The officer did his job. He is a hero, no doubt. This school counselor is now under investigation for simply saying, what crime did she commit? Because she wants to hear from the victim? It's astounding the world that we are living in right now when you, you hear people like Joy Behar, who's wow. possibly the biggest gas bag wow. on TV, saying, well, couldn't the officer just shoot him in the leg? Hey, you turn, have two dead people. Turn off Netflix. Quit watching a fucking movie. That's not how it goes. Officers cannot shoot people in the hand. They cannot shoot people in the leg. They shoot to, to stop, stop the threat. They Period. don't shoot to kill. No. They don't shoot to murder. And they are not out hunting people. The statistics bear that out. And when you talk about LeBron James... Oh, my God. I, I have spent... Well, I mean, I've hated this guy for a very long time because he has made no secret for... Yeah, God, we could go back at least a decade. He's made no secret of that he's very much a racist. I heard one of the greatest... I, I'm big on quotes. If you have not heard this, if you have not educated yourself on this, 
YouTube or Google what Marcellus Wiley said on ESPN the other night. He is a former pro football player, outstanding, uh, a pro bowler. Listen to his entire commentary and his quote that said, your skin is not your sin. That is very, very true. Your uniform is not your sin either. What LeBron James did was very reactionary. The guy has 50 million followers, and we could debate that all day long. I'm not so concerned about that. It does bother me that he, what's called, doxed the police officer. He put his picture, and he said, you are next, which implies you as an individual need to be harmed and attacked by my followers, and a lot of LeBron's followers are probably going to do that. He, of course, deleted the tweet and then... Doubled down. Well, well, he tried to justify it that it's been used for more hate. He and tried it, to make himself a and victim. And it's the system. You know what? <laughs> I, let's, let's take that away. What is the most upsetting is statistically, last year, police in America killed 250 blacks. I don't know how many of those blacks that were killed were killed by black police officers. I don't know exactly how many of those blacks that were killed were using deadly force that caused deadly force against them to be justified. What really makes me sick about LeBron James, what a racist, unintelligent piece of shit this individual is, is the fact that in the past 10 days, there was a seven-year-old boy in North Carolina shot and killed by another black man in a road rage incident, there was a seven-year-old girl. You talk about living your best life at seven. Where would that be? In the drive-thru of a McDonald's. Life is pretty good. I'm going to get my chicken nuggets, and I am going to go home. I remember what it's like to do that for my kids when they were seven. She was shot and killed by another black person. LeBron James does not care. Not even a rest in peace to these children. He only cares about saving the 250 lives that are killed by police every year. And clearly, by his own words, his own admissions, does not care about the deaths of all the other black people who are murdered, whether it be by other blacks or other whites. And a final note on that is... The Cincinnati bar owner that said, I'm not going to show NBA games anymore until LeBron James is expelled. Obviously, that was inflammatory, and he was making a statement, and that's fine. And LeBron took the opportunity to clap back at him and say something real smart-ass. But then, a 24-year veteran of the LAPD, who happens to be black, who happens to say... I agree with you. I am tired of black people being killed. I do not like police brutality, just like all the officers in this room, in this studio right now. Invited LeBron James to sit down and have a talk to educate each other. No cameras, no fanfare. We don't have to let the words out. I guarantee you, not only will LeBron James not sit down with this individual, he won't even respond. Yet he'll 
get on a Cincinnati bar owner and, you know, call him whatever. But when a black police officer, a 24-year-old veteran who, again, agrees with LeBron in a lot of ways, has openly said, you have no idea how I wake up every day and I pray that I don't have to use my gun. I pray that I don't have to take another life. And LeBron James will not sit down with him to educate himself. So how are the people out there like Don Lemon, like, yes, my favorite person, Chris Cuomo, people I think are responsible for more deaths than anybody like Mark Zuckerberg and Jack Dorsey. How are these people actually going to make the world better when they will not agree to educate themselves about the facts. Every case is different. Derek Chauvin, 100%. He should be killed and buried under the jail. What Officer Potter did in Minnesota, it's horrible and it's tragic. She made an epic mistake. And I do feel bad for her and her family. However, she was charged appropriately and she does need to go to jail. What this officer in Ohio did, he saved a life. And the girl in the pink, her black life should not matter less than Makai Bryant's life. And Black Lives Matter is openly saying, Black Lives Matter, but only some Black Lives Matter. Not the seven-year-old girl in Chicago in McDonald's. Not the little boy in North Carolina who was in his car with his mom doing nothing wrong. It's only the black lives that are killed by police. That is, how are we ever going to overcome that when, when that's how divided we are right now? You know, and my response to this is one word, telling. This was telling. The information that came out was sparse. It was just a police officer kills a, a young girl. And some of the media didn't even say she had a knife. The other ones were talking about. Oh, no, about, they so some of them did. No. on NBC. They edited that yes, out. Yes, yes. That's Telling. That's telling. And the reason it's telling, because LeBron James, he jumped at the opportunity disingenuously saying he cares about these poor black lives. He doesn't. He cares about coming on as a pulpit to hate on police. It's telling because what they did is they jumped at the very first opportunity. Very first opportunity. We have Congresswoman talking about how this was a schoolyard knife fight could not be further from the truth it was neither a schoolyard or a knife fight this was and trying to minimize it trying to minimize being attacked with a knife because they want to push this agenda of hating on police this is everything you're hearing is that hand shaking that jar of the ants hoping they will attack each other and guess what it's happening we got to stop listening to the media, when they're putting in their thoughts. We just need the facts, ma'am. Just the facts. They don't you know, give Let's the go facts. back to uh, Dragnet. Just the facts, ma'am. Just the facts. They don't facts. But they don't. They put in their disingenuous. If they cared, if LeBron James cared, he would have said, stop resisting police. Do as you're told. Let the judicial system. That's true justice. That doesn't fit the narrative. Exactly, because their narrative is to hate on police. And, and how do they do it? With the, the, the jar is racism. That is it. They're using racism as a tool to hate on police. And that's all this but is. But right now, it, it, 
What's incredibly crazy, Darren, if you say, if you are a police officer, or God forbid you say you are a Republican or a conservative, if you walked outside and said the sky is blue, water is wet, these people would say you're a racist. That's how fucking crazy these people have become that they are completely blind to the damage that they are doing. And when you are saying certain people can die as long as other people don't, how in the, how in the world are we going to get? We're not. That, well, that's what's scary. In the next, it's going to take a very long time. I, I've never, I'm almost 50 years old. I've never, ever seen, would have never imagined living in the world that we do right now. And the damage that has been done just over the past 12 months, and that's probably why I hate Derek Chauvin the way I do, because he was kind of the, the final straw and sent us down the rabbit hole. It is going to take decades to recover from this. Sure. And I'll tell you right now, if I was a, police, a brand new police officer, I wouldn't make a traffic stop for any reason in this world, ever. There's no way. Because it's just not worth it anymore. And that is so sad to say that. Uh, we could talk about this for eight hours, um, but we're going to move on to something much more positive and funny and uh, come right back. More stories, inside guests, and true blue humor coming up on Batch Boys. We'll be back right after this. We both signed up for the service and are so happy with it. OfficerPrivacy.com is offering a very special deal for listeners of the Badge Boys. This is a great deal. Go to officerprivacy.com forward slash BB. Their team of current and retired law enforcement officers will remove your information from the top 30 sites that are showing your home address, your phone number, and so much more. When you sign up now with our link, you'll get a free bonus mailed to you, plus your first month of monitoring for free. You don't have to be an officer to sign up. If you are a family member or just don't want your personal information out there on the internet, you can join officerprivacy.com. We've met the owner, had him on our show, great guy, and he will take care of you, I promise. If you care about your online privacy, and I highly recommend the service he provides, sign up at officerprivacy.com forward slash BB. Well, my, my, my. We happen to know that guy. Criminals think they are so smart. The problem for them is the police are smarter. Detectives resolve things. They don't give up. I'm not the only one who answered the call. I am retired Sergeant Darren Bird. Detective Chris McMullen. Detective Frank Diller. Robert Cushing. Vermont State Police. Now, where did he come from? Every detective has that one case. This is that one case for me. He thinks he can outsmart these detectives. Well, he has another thing coming. You're not going to be able to run from it. You want to find that smoking gun. He does what he was made to do. Find the bad guy. That is, as they say in tennis, game, set, and match. American Detective, coming exclusively to Discovery Plus, early 2021. Learn more at discoveryplus.com. You're listening to Batch Boys with retired police sergeant Darren Birch and retired police officer Jason Schechterly. Now, back to the Batch Boys. Well, that was absolutely a fired up uh, cop talk, and rightfully so, because it's uh, some difficult times, no doubt about it. 
uh, which is why I love this last segment. This last segment, I get to listen to uh, Jason talk about something heroic. Uh, then I get to have some fun at uh, LeBron James's. Uh, <laughs> I can't wait to play this video. You're going to love it. Dude, this is hilarious. It is. It is. Hilarious. It'll get you back into a good mood. Uh, so, Jason, please uh, share a heroic uh, event if you can, my friend. Yeah, this heroic headline this week comes from, uh, this could be a hot topic as well. It's about uh, Border Patrol and um, what's going on uh, with children down there. And something that is never, you know, the policies that are in place right now, all they want to talk about is, is the kids and this, that, and the other. Why don't we talk about the parents who are abandoning their kids and saying, do this and, and... God, I can never abandon my kid, especially like try to cross the Rio Grande at 1 a.m. Have you ever seen the Rio Grande there? I have. It's pretty dangerous. Yeah, at 1 o'clock in the morning when you're a child. <laughs> and Border Patrol rescued one of those children uh, this week. Uh, it was the rescue of a young, unaccompanied child. It happened during the evening of April 19th when numerous undocumented migrants were attempting to cross the Rio Grande illegally into this country and a United States army soldier that was assigned to support the border patrol in the area witnessed three out of four individuals amid a group abandon this child and run back onto the Mexican side of the river. The soldier noticed that this child was left behind on the side of the river and was struggling. She was in the water yes, and struggling. And this army officer rescued her he did not rescue her because of politics because of policy because of whether she was legal illegal no he rescued her because it was a human life who was in danger and the bastards that abandoned a child a 12 year old girl in the rio grande river i am just uh, again and now i'm reverting back to the hot topic and i apologize um but a shout out to this soldier Absolutely. who uh, left his family, was directed by our government to go down there and support Border Patrol, risked his own life, and saved this child. What happens to this child from here on out? Who knows? What I care is that she is still alive, and I hope that they find and fix the problem how you abandon a, a child in a river. I, I did just. So anybody who's working, I mean, this Army soldier is definitely my hero for the week, but anybody who's working on the border right now and trying to just make sure that human life is taken care of, you are all heroes, regardless of what the White House and CNN says. (laughs) You you. truly are heroes. Or LeBron. Uh, LeBron did not weigh in on this one, but of course LeBron. LeBron weighed in on shooting and again he has no information weighing in on with no information and puts an officer's life at risk by throwing him down with a hourglass running out of time saying you're next i don't care i don't care what i don't care what was on his mind at the time whether he thought this was about accountability and all this no accountability is not justice accountability is not based on lebron but i tell you instead of going on about lebron i can play this video that says it all don't stab it no no stop stab stop hold on hold on it's lebron lebron 
Hey, yeah, it's me again. Listen, I'm out here at this disturbance call, and there's a guy trying to stab another guy with a knife. What do you think I should do? Why does that matter? Okay, uh, well, they're both black. One guy's trying to stab another guy with a knife. Deadly force is completely justified. Uh-huh. I see. So you don't care if a black person kills another black person, but you do care if a white cop kills a black person, even if he's doing it to save the life of another black person? I mean, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but then again, you are really good at basketball, so I guess I'll take your word for it. Alright. Yep. Okay. Alright, thanks, LeBron. Michael Jordan's the GOAT. What? Nothing, I gotta go. Sorry, guys. You're on your own. Good luck. Excuse me. No, can you put the knife down, please, sir? Sir, no, no. No, sir, don't stab it. No, no, stop stabbing. Stop. Oh, hold on. Hold on. It's LeBron. LeBron. Hey. Yeah, it's me again. Listen, I'm out here at this disturbance call, and there's a guy trying to stab another guy with a knife. What do you think I should do? Why does that matter? Okay, uh, well, they're both black. One guy's trying to stab another guy with a knife. Deadly force is completely justified. Uh-huh. I see. So you don't care if a black person kills another black person, but you do care if a white cop kills a black person, even if he's doing it to save the life of another black person? I mean, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but then again, you are really good at basketball, so I guess I'll take your word for it. Alright. Yep. Okay. Alright, thanks, LeBron. Michael Jordan's the GOAT. What? Nothing, I gotta go. Sorry, guys. You're on your own. Good luck. Excuse me. No, can you put the knife down, please, sir? Sir, no, 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 sir, don't stab it. No, no, stop stabbing. Stop. Oh, hold on. Hold on. It's LeBron. LeBron. Hey. Yeah, it's me again. Listen, I'm out here at this disturbance call, and there's a guy trying to stab another guy with a knife. What do you think I should do? Why does that matter? Okay, uh, well, they're both black. One guy's trying to stab another guy with a knife. Deadly force is completely justified. Uh-huh. I see. So you don't care if a black person kills another black person, but you do care if a white cop kills a black person, even if he's doing it to save the life of another black person? I mean, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but then again, you are really good at basketball, so I guess I'll take your word for it. Alright. Yep. Okay. Alright, thanks, LeBron. Michael Jordan's the GOAT. What? Nothing, I gotta go. Sorry, guys. You're on your own. Good luck. Darren, this week's inspirational story, uh, and this, you know, I love this story because just before we came into studio today, I stopped at QT and I was approached by an individual who was very sincere. He happened to be a black man and explained to me his situation. And he said, most people would be like, hey, can you spare a dollar? You know how homeless people are in the big cities, especially here in Phoenix. And most times I do not uh, oblige them, uh, probably because of my past experiences and you just never know when people are telling the truth. This gentleman was very sincere and he asked for a specific amount of money, a little over $13 and to buy some diapers and some other stuff. I gave him a $20 bill. I said, now you don't have to bother anybody else. I showed him my hat that I'm wearing, talked about being a former police officer and asked him to please understand that there is no difference between the two of us. And I think that this inspirational story kind of piggybacks on that, and I'm excited to share it with you. It's about an individual named Levante Dell, a black man who was recently pulled over. He wrote on his Facebook page, yesterday I was pulled over in Westland for my window tent. The stop was nothing like I thought it was be. He got my shit and was walking back to the car and saw my daughter was not in a car seat. So he asked me to get out and speak with him. 
He asked why she didn't have a car seat. And I told him, I've been through a lot this year. I'm barely making it because of the garnishments. And I really don't like asking people for stuff. Do you know what this white police officer did? He told me to follow him to Walmart. He purchased, the officer purchased his daughter a car seat with his own money. And if you would have seen us at Walmart, you would have thought we were best friends. It was like night and day. You got me hello tats walking side by side with a white officer in Westland at that. I've been calling all day trying to get his name because I was in such shock. I didn't even look at his name tag. Never judge a book by its cover. It's almost definitely good guys left out there. I told him I had never met an officer like you. And he said, I am just doing my job. To write you a ticket would only put you further in the hole and make it harder on you. I wanted to help you. I wanted to help your daughter and make your day better than I found it. And that is the truth of what happens every single day. It's only about black and white according to CNN and our politicians. You know as well as I do, every interaction we have every day, America is not what the media says it is. So please continue to be compassionate and continue to do your jobs. And for all you officers out there, you do have a responsibility and the right to go home every night. You're in a much tougher situation. But please, 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 what I harp on all the time, do not ever forget why you put your name on the application and do the job the right way with integrity and honor and tune out all of the noise. Awesome show, Darren. Thank you for bringing these. My back at you, these get these. Get, I mean, just people I love dearly. It was so incredible. I, I I am deeply affected just by hearing Jan this week, and uh, my day is definitely better than it was when I woke up this morning, and I will continue to make it better. So thank you, thank you, Robin. I know you worked hard today over there, girl. <laughs> we overworked so, our yeah, bless we, our hearts. We worked Robin's <laughs> ass off today. That's okay. Um, Double hugs today, boys. God bless all of you. Be safe. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to Batch Boys. Stories, insights, guests, and true blue humor with retired police sergeant Darren Birch and retired police officer Jason Schechterly. Batch Boys, heard weekly and worldwide on Star Worldwide Networks and all mobile devices. Batch Boys.